morning, we're doing Sicha Dalet, Parshas Bolok. We're learning in the Schos of Rav Yosef Yitzchak Ben Sima Chasia that you should have a Rafua Shalema Kreva. Sif Aleph. Hadin Hu, the Rebbe says it's the Halacha, Shahav Tayra Hanikrez Laachar Parsha, that when reading the Haftar that follows the Parsha, it has to be connected conceptually to the parsha. And more specifically, it has to be connected to the end of the parsha. And when we look at our own parsha and the haftari that follows, it would seem that it's very clear in the case of this forthcoming parsha the connection between the Parsha and the Haftarah. The Haftarah, in the Haftarah, which comes from Micha, from the Navi Micha, Misupar al-Dvar Masha Amar Kadesh Baruch Yisrael, we are told uh, concerning what Hashem said to B'nai Yisrael, Ami, Zecharna, Ma Yad, Balak Melech Mayav, Uma Ana Eisei Bilam Ben Ba'or Min Hashitim. Remember, my nation, what Bilam, the council, um, what, what Balak ben Mayav uh, was looking for in the council and what Bilam answered him, what he replied to him from, from the place she took. And in fact, it seems that this is exactly what Parshas Balak is about, this story, this famous story. Aval move on, but it's understood. But the Rebbe says, we have to understand, especially in light of the well-known fact that the Haftar was instituted in the first place to be read instead of the Kriya of Shabbos and Yamtav. According to Chabad.org, the most prevalent opinion about this is that in the year 168, before the Common Era, in the time of Antiochus of uh, Hanukkah infamy, the Jews were prohibited from reading from a Torah scroll. So they read from a, um, from a Navi instead, and they read a story that was conceptually linked to the content of the Parsha. So the Rebbe says, if that is the antecedents of the whole, the whole idea of a haftar. So then it has to be shashaychus haftar leparsha ain't a bepasuk echadovad. It has to be that conceptually the haftar has to be linked to the parsha, not just by being able to find one pasuk and connect the dots. Ella b'teichnahakloli, but the the haftar and the parsha have to be conceptually linked on a much more general scale. Olafia yedua. And as is well known that the general content of something is at least alluded to at the very beginning, move on so it's understood. So there has to be a, a connection between the very beginning of the Haftarah to the end of Parshas Balak. Now the Rebbe quotes, what's the first Pasuk of the Haftarah? The remnants of B'nai Yisrael, here referred to as Yaakov, will be found amongst, they will remain amongst many nations. 
They will not hope, they will not put their hope in man, nor will they expect assistance from a mortal. So that's the first pasuk, and that, the Rebbe says, has to be connected to the end of the parsha. it has to be connected to the whole parsha. And that's what the Rebbe is going to do in the Sicha, show us um, the connection, the deep connection here. Base, Bahaftara, Midubar Oydesman Haschalos Hagola. So the Rebbe says, first, let's put this puzzle into context. So the, this Haftar from Micha speaks to the time before the beginning of the Geula. Kilomar, Loyalazman Mashiach Vadai. This is to say, the Haftar is not addressing the time when Mashiach will be manifest clearly, and it will be clear and sure in everybody's mind. After he will have finished waging all the wars, and it will be a situation where all of the nations as one will be serving Hashem. Uh, they'll, they'll all, I mean, literally put their shoulders together, meaning that everybody will, be, will converge on the same idea that they all want to serve Hashem. But this will all be later. The Haftar is talking about before that. How do we know this? Because the Haftar speaks about the wars that will be waged against the other nation, and it says, and the remnants of Yaakov, remnants of Israel will be amongst the Goyim, and they will be like a lion among the animals of the forest, the Ramas, the Teref, who tramples and preys upon the other animals. So clearly, it is still a time of conflict. Yisera Mizu, and even more so, not only will there still be evil and, um, and, and conflicting forces, external to B'nai Yisrael, from the other nations, but there will also still be evil and bad that will still be found in B'nai Yisrael itself. So there'll be difficulties both externally and internally. Like it says, I will cut away witchcraft from your hands. And I will cut away your idols. And I will uproot your Asherah trees. So if Hashem has to do all this, it means that the Jews are still actively involved in Abay Dezara. And it, they will be so enmeshed in this behavior that they will need considerable help from above in order to rid themselves of these terrible um, behaviors. Kedio Kakasel, the Rebbe says, like what it says specifically in the Torah, in, in the Pasuk, I will cut away. You won't be able to cut yourself away from this. I will have to cut you away. The Natashti, I will uproot. You won't have the strength to uproot Asherah trees and so on and so forth. The Tam Hadavar. And why is this the case? Because this Haftar is specifically speaking to the very beginning of the Geula, 
where there is still the necessity to make all kinds of preparations for the actual Gula, for the complete Gula. The Gambi Parsha, Senu Parsha's Babak. And in like fashion, parallel to what the prophet is speaking about, we actually have the same dynamic going on in the Parsha. Because it's Medubar Oidizman Doima. It speaks to a similar time. It speaks to the time right before B'nai Yisrael went into Eretz Yisrael for the first time. B'nai Yisrael k'var hoyu oz ba'arvas mayav me'eber le'yarden y'richay. They were very, very close geographically to going in. Mukhanim li'kanes le'eretz Yisrael. B'duk mas ha'knisa le'eretz Yisrael b'gula ha'sida. And so it's very much in the same paradigm as what it will be at the end of Goals, the very beginning of Geula, when we will be perched on the, on the precipice of going into Eretz Yisrael. And especially the Rebbe references here, the Gemara that says, that if the Jews wouldn't have sinned, that would have been it. That would have been the end of history until the Geula Shlema. There in the Gemara it says that if the Jews wouldn't have sinned, then all we would have had would be the Chamisha Chumshi Taira and Sefer Yeshua. Because all of the other Sfarim of the Nevi'im speak to the various sins and the various cycles of um, improper behavior that we got into, and then the punishments that would have to come, and then the Nechama of the Nevi'im that follows. So the Gemara says that if we wouldn't have sinned, there would have just been Chamisha Chumshi Taira and, and, and uh, Sefer Yeshua. Gimel. So what's the preparation for Geula? Well, that, the Rebbe says, is found at the very beginning of the Haftarah. That we should not place our hope in man. And we should not look to man for, for, for help. Even though we will still have difficulty, we will still have conflicts and problems, it will still be before the Gula Shlema. But still in all, it will already be a situation where B'nai Yisrael will not be reliant on others. They won't have to depend on other people for help. Inclusive of having to rely on other Jews for help. Like it says, Curse be the man who places his trust in, in mankind, in mortals. And we are called Adam. But at that time, we will rely rock ala kadosh baruchu only on the evishuk mashanema baruch hagever shivta b'hashem like it says in in yemiyahu blessed be the man that that believes in hashem or me'achash hakasuv medaber bizman haschalas hagula and once we know that the pasuk is talking about the time of the beginning of the gula move on sheba mashakasuv leikavel leish goimer sheilal hakasuv loyrak an halga asura once we know that we're talking about the beginning of Geula, so it's clear that we're not talking about something that is absolutely prohibited from the Torah. 
about which it says, curse be the man who places his trust in mankind. But it's even talking about not hope, putting your hope in man, which is permitted, Al Peter. And even that kind of behavior, which is permissible. Sometimes you need help from somebody else. Even that will not be the behavior in that period of time that the Haptair is talking about. And here the Rebbe uh, begins to, to, to really analyze the, the interplay between having complete reliance on Hashem and what the Torah tells us that we have to make our overtures, that it's necessary for us to do our work. Rebbe says, in Parshas Re, we have famously the Pasuk, Hashem, your God, will bless you in all that you do. And the Midrash that deals with Halacha explains, you might think that you should just sit idly in your den, put your feet up and watch reruns and everything will drop from the drop ceiling. No. So the Torah comes and tells you no. Hashem will bench you. You have to do. The Torah bids you to make a vessel for what it is that you need, whether it's health, parnasa, shidduch, whatever. You have to make your, your keli. You can't rely on a miracle. The and because in the natural way, there are often times where we do need to reach out to somebody else. We do need to rely on each other. And sometimes even to an Anjou. So therefore, there is place within Tarot and Halacha to put your hope in man. And this is not a contradiction to the passage that says, cursed be the man who places his trust in mortals. Because when a person makes a natural vessel, provides a, a conduit in the natural realm, he is not with this saying that he believes in the natural means per se. No, he believes in Hashem. That Hashem will help him using the modality, the vehicle, the, the vessel, and the garment that he has prepared. And ultimately, Hasidus talks about the fact that the lavush, the garment, is necessary for obfuscating the way in which Hashem is doing this. So therefore we provide a garment, but it's not the garment that's helping us. That's just the, the deck tichel, like we say in Yiddish. That, that's just covering up the way in which it is Hashem who is doing this. So the Rebbe says that there's no contradiction here because when we call somebody, we ask them for a favor, or we look for the best doctor, or we look for the best mechanic, or whatever we're doing, we're not saying that's where our salvation is going to come from. We understand that 
that the Torah wants us to provide a kli and a levush, and the Abisher will, will do what only the Abisher can do. And now the Rebbe says, now we understand what's the chidush that the Navi is speaking of in this Haftarah. This is the chidush of this managa'ula. Az then it will be ketal me'es Hashem. All of our salvation will come like dew. What's the chidush of dew? She'ein adam, adam because dew is not something we ask for. That comes automatically. Rain, we ask for. But dew is something that the Ebesha sends. And so in the time of the Gula, in like fashion, we will not have to hope in any mortal. We'll only, and in direct way, get it from Hashem. Al derech. And the Rebbe says now here in brackets, this is like Bir Teres Hasidus, like what, what Hasidus explains by Pasuk on the Pasuk Toyb Lachsus Bahashem Mivtoyah Ba'adam. We say this all the time in Halal. It's better to believe in Hashem, to rely on Hashem, than to hope in man. So the Rebbe says, when you look at the Pasuk, it's clear that you're being set up to understand a hierarchy, that one is better than the other. It's better to rely completely on Hashem than to, rely, than to hope in man. So it's understood, it's move on. So from this Pasuk, it's understood that it is permitted to, to Trust in man. And this too is a way to comport yourself. But better than, than believing in man is to rely on Hashem. So Hasidus explains that different from the conventional understanding, even is also talking mystically about Hashem. It's talking about the aspect of the Abishter that is the imminent aspect, the energy that fills this world, which is the lower aspect. From the perspective of the aspect of the Abishter, yes, you have to do your shtadlus, you have to involve yourself and you have to make a vessel and you have to provide a garment in teva. And that is the way in which Hashem's blessing will rest. But better than that even is is the higher aspect of the Abishter that hovers over the world. Because on this level, from the perspective of this aspect, you don't even have to involve yourself in, in nature at all. Like we say in Tehillim, right? Throw it on Hashem. Throw your problems on Hashem. And He will nurture you. He will provide. In this higher paradigm. You don't have to provide a clea. The Abishter provides the clea. He makes the clea as well. Dalit. 
and the Rebbe further explains, Tachlis HaKavona Enosh HaNhogas HaTeva Tizbatel. The ultimate intention here is not that nature should be nullified. Ela Adrab, on the contrary, it's about refining and elevating the aspects of nature. The teva, the nature, will be so refined and elevated that it will be obvious to all that teva and Hashem are one and the same thing. There's not Mother Nature and Father God. So now we understand, going back to our Haftarish, that the understanding of the words, and you will not place your hope in man, it's not that the whole idea of a person helping another will be nullified. But we'll be on such a level that even when a person helps you, you won't attribute it to that person. You'll attribute it to Hashem. Doesn't mean you won't thank that person for being the conduit, but it'll be so clear to you that it was Hashem who did that. And now the Rebbe goes deeper and explains a very subtle, a very dachistic Indian here. And the Rebbe says, we'll explain this by prefacing, that in these words, so in your overtures of what you do, there are two ways in which you could be doing what you're supposed to do. The first paradigm is, even though you're very evolved and you learned a lot of Hasidus and you know that nature really doesn't exist independently, and nature is simply like an axe in the hand of the woodchopper, but still in all, but since the Torah commands you to do, to make a vessel in natural means, so nature does take up space for you. In other words, you do have a respect for the natural, for the normal, for the uh, pedestrian. But you respect it. It has chashivos not because of the teva itself, but because God commanded you, therefore it takes on importance in your eyes. So what the doctor says is important and what therapy you need is important. And if you're going to get into that, you know, that, that group, that all of this becomes very, very important. The Rebbe says, but there's a, a higher level. Ha'adam Isaac Beteva, base. This is a person engages in the natural means. Rak mipnei shakach tziva Hashem. Only because Hashem said so. Ve'ilu ha'teva atzmai eina taifis etzloi mokai. But all the details and the goings on of the teva 
it's not relevant. He who by rock and soy lahashlim as rotsain habayra, because he sees in this only a conduit. This is really only a vehicle through which Hashem's will could be carried out. So this is a person on a very high level that if the doctor says, you don't need chemotherapy, Pepto-Bismol is gonna work. The person will be like, okay. Okay, because I only went to the doctor because they because the Abisha says, Bukhala So I'm not putting my hope in the in the in the precise drug or therapy. You say Pepto-Bismol, good. That's the higher level. And this is the explanation in what the Chazal say, so the Pasuk is, so that Pasuk is in Yeshayahu. And the Gemara explains, what does it mean, the faith of the times? This faith is talking to the whole idea of planting, of seeding, of harvesting. That this is a yid that plants and seeds, not because he believes in the natural um, cycle, but rather, he believes in God. Although it is a natural thing that after you plant will come the growth, the So the Rebbe says that even though everything about planting is part of the natural cycle, it doesn't matter who's doing the planting. If it's a Jew who has certain kavanas that he's putting in the seeds and he knows that Hashem will make them grow or a non-Jew. Or the Rebbe says, even if a seed fell and embedded itself into the ground, it, it, it fell off of a, there, there was a sack, it had a hole and it was on a, it was on a wagon and the wagon was going somewhere and the, and the seeds fell off and they embedded themselves in the ground. It's, it's the nature of the ground to give forth um, you know, something something from the seed. And even more, this is the nature that Hashem was Hashem set up this nature. Like it says in Noyach, seed time and harvest will never cease. So this is just the way it is. Mikol Makaim, still and all for this Jew on this highest level, irrespective of all of this, it, it, it doesn't, it, it, it's not type of by him, it's, it's not relevant to him, he doesn't pay attention to this. The Kasher Huzaireya, when he sees, Ain who Isis is Mipnesha Alpia Teva. Hazria, he doesn't do it because Alpiteva, when you seed, it will lead to germination and growth. 
He does it. He does it because he believes in Hashem. And and therefore he seeks. So the Rebbe is giving an example of this second level in Bechol Asher Now, even the first level is a very, very high level. That the only reason that Teva, that nature, is Tevis Makayim, is, is relevant, or that he puts any faith in it, is because the Torah commands you Bechol Asher That is already a very high level. The second level is that he he it it doesn't make a difference to him the details it's almost like he does it vegan, like he does it performa it's like a like signaling but but it but it's not really because he's embedded and invested in the precise details thereof hey and the Rebbe continues to, to deepen this. He says, The Rebbe says, don't think that this is just about what's going on in your mind and your, your heart. It's not just about your level of faith and your feelings. Because, Because from this will devolve clear distinctions in your behavior. And this is a recurrent theme in Hasidus, you know, that uh, your behaviors are born in, in, in your mindset, which is why it's so important to have the proper mindset. And the Rebbe says, in that first level for the person who ashertase, uh, meaning the overture that this person makes in the physical realm, this becomes something that is relevant and important. The, the nature is tefes makam, it takes up space. This is a person for whom tere mitzvahs, and then whatever the doctor is saying, or whatever the lawyer is saying, or whatever, whatever, these are two different areas of life. The Hasher Noitzeres steer Ben Atayev Amitzos is Haskus Bedarchei Ateva, and when there arises a conflict between this person's religious life, Tayev Mitzvos, and whatever the doctor counsels or the lawyer counsels or whatever other specialist, Ola Dugma, and the Rebbe says, for example, Im Yarech B'Tfilahu Ola La'Abed Munitin Ba'Asakov. Maybe if he davens in elongated fashion, he will lose an opportunity to make business contacts. Or in Yahada bin Sinastaka Baripoi, if he's going to be careful to give a lot of staka, Ula he's not gonna have enough money to properly invest in another business. And the Rebbe says these are two examples, and there are many others. So what happens? You'll recognize these words from Parshas Taldais, and this is about Yaakov and Esav, the continuous conflict, the way in which it's a seesaw. If one goes up, the other one goes down. The two nations will vie for the upper hand. Even 
even when he is going to, Mivater um, means he, he will give up what has to be done in the natural realm. Because he knows that it's only the blessing of Hashem that actually enriches you. And he knows that everything in the natural realm is just a vessel and just a garment that hides the blessing of Hashem. So he's going to give up on davening, um, and, and, and he's going to daven longer, or he's going to give more tzedakah. But in this entire time, he's going to be consumed with an inner war and a struggle with his Nefesh Bahamas. And there is always a possibility that the other side will win, that the other side will be on the upswing, that the side that goes against God will go up. Because if there's a conflict, then there's always a possibility of one being the upper hand. And even when Tyre misses is the upper hand, that possibility still exists for the next hour, the next minute, the next day, the next week. But when the overtures in the physical realm and the natural realm, when the Tase is really just something this person does because we're commanded to engage in this overture, but really they're not invested in it, completely not invested in it. They do it because that's what Hashem says to do. Then that visit to the doctor's office, that consult with the attorney, whatever it is, that's part of the Zavaydas Hashem. Like we have famous teachings, the Rebbe says, for this person, you don't even have to tell him that all of your doing should be L'Shem Shemayim. Because for him, everything that you do is L'Shem Shemayim. And all your ways are about knowing God. They're all about Vida'ehu. They're completely suffused with, with knowing Hashem and with Shem Shemayim. They're one and the same. And because for this person there's nothing but the celestial um, desire. Move on, it's understood. One mitzvah can't be a conflict with another. On the contrary, one mitzvah brings another. The visit to the doctor is a mitzvah. Can't be in us. It cannot be in conflict with another mitzvah. If anything, only bring another mitzvah in its wake. Now the Rebbe says in Vav, he he brings it down to a level that we can bend our brains around. 
the difference between these two levels, these two ways of comporting ourselves, this never begins in a overt fashion with actions. The Yitzhahara will never come to an observant Jew to begin with and try to talk them in to actually trespassing Hashem's will. It will always be very subtle, like a hair breath. The Yitzhahara is very smart. Hayoim, meaning Bahaschala, today, at the very beginning, Hayitara Mami Ponim Kamisha Maskishas Askus Bedarhateva Osushtiya Bastir Lakimatar Mitzvah. At the beginning, the Yitzhahara will come and say, Of course, everything that you do in the natural realm can never be in conflict with Tara Mitzvah. In other words, it presents as bolstering your Avaita Sashem. It's your friend, it's your partner, it's your chavrusa, and your avodas Hashem. So going to shayach tzagin, how how much support and encouragement you're going to get from the yitzhar? Who rakmatgish shahatayin neisenis mokim bechashivas loteva? The only thing the yitzhar will do at this point is underscore that the tayin itself says that you have to get involved in natural means. Avalemachar, but then tomorrow. Sof Sof at the end, who says he will make the natural overtures the most important. And the Rebbe says, like my father-in-law explained, but my Chazal, my father-in-law explained on, on what it says in the Gemara, this is how the Yitzhahara does business. Today he says, do this. So the Fitzgerald explained. The Yitzhahara ain't a matchil beshidul Yehudi lasa. He says hefach mitzayne hamiti underscore mitzayne hamiti. The Yitzhahara will never begin with trying to talk the Jew into going against his true and innermost desire. Why is this the true and innermost desire of a Yid? Because we have an Hashem, a chelikol kamim mamamish. So the Eibush's desire is really our truest desire. No, no, that's not what the Yitzhar is going to start with. On the contrary, do it this way. Do it the way Debeshter wants. He agrees that the Jews should keep Terem Mitzvahs. And he explains how logical this is to do what the Abishta wants him to do. But through this, but through this, that he insinuates himself, he mixes himself into Torah mitzvahs, and he habituates the person to need the Yetzirah's validation, the haskama, who made he brings himself to a place where tomorrow, when the Yetzirah says, no, don't do it, so basically, the Fitzgerald is saying is, don't let the Yitzhahara 
move into your apartment building. Definitely don't let the Yitzhara into your apartment and do not give the Yitzhara a comfortable seat on your couch. Even if it seems so benign. And at that point, the Yitzhara is telling you, yeah, obviously you're a Yit. Obviously you need to only do tarimitzas. And yeah, this stuff that you have to do with the natural realm, that's because the Abisha told you to do it. But who is the Yitzhara to be involving himself in your business in the first place? The Rebbe says, and therefore, the proper way to shield yourself from the machinations of the Yitzhahara is never to engage in your Avaida logically. Because logic is always going to give place of prominence to nature. And that's going to lead you down a slippery slope that's going to take you away from the Eivishter. But the only way to shield yourself from the Yitzhahara is through bitl, through self-abnegation and Messias Nefesh for the desire of Hashem. And this transcends logic. There's only the celestial will. There's only Hashem's will. Me'ain, this is like Val Derech in, 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 in consonance with what we said above, Bein Lachsois Bahashem and Betoyach Ba'adam, where the Rebbe gave us the two levels, the one being, the lower one, Betoyach Ba'adam being believing in Hashem on the level of the Memalikal Almond and Lachsois Bahashem. So here the Rebbe is saying, go on the Lachsis Bahashem level, on the transcendent level, on the Seviv Kal Alman. Don't engage in the logic. Mitzad Bechinas Bateyach Ba'adam, on this lower level of putting your trust in man, Memale Kal Alman, Shedduk Masa Bavadis Adam, Hiavaydal Pitam Vadas. So this would be when we do our Avaida on the level of logic. Because on the level of logic, Tvicha Liyay Sishtadlus Bedarche Hateva. Yes. We have to make overtures in the realm of nature. Because on this level, nature is relevant. In contradistinction, but on the level of placing your trust in Hashem and only in Hashem, on the level, on the transcendental level of where Hashem hovers over the world, and in our Aveda, this is the abnegation of ourselves, where we are, where there's no logic. There's no place for teva; it's not relevant and therefore, it's on the level of the who yichalkalecha. Hashem and only Hashem will sustain you. It's true that even in this level, there are kalim, there are vessels for the blessings. But the vessels come from above. Okay, this is a very, very it's not that there are no vessels. It's not that um, you're not going to happen upon 
uh, the exact therapy or the exact doctor there. But the Abish is going to provide you with the vessels. It's not going to be through your making a million calls and networking and calling this person as protectia and that one and that one. And like we said above, that even when the person is engaged in sorry about that, I don't know how to shut this phone. And this is the only computer that I felt confident wasn't going to like give me trouble. Sorry. Okay, it'll, it'll pass. It's really a chutzpah that I'm taking over my mother's phone. Now she's not going to get her message. Um, so we were saying that this is what we said above, that even when the person engages in Dar Teva, they don't have true metzias. It's like they don't exist in his eyes. But I could have so much so, there's no place for this person. He's never going to say that man helped him. Because anything that will that will be the conduit to which this person will get their salvation is in their in this person's eyes, it's Thabishta. Because anything in Teva is one with Hashem. And now we understand why in our Haftarah, Micha says that the hachana to the Geula is that you will not trust a man. Ba'isa Hazman, at that time, Yusar Legamre Helen Behester HaTeva. The Helen Behester, the way in which Teva shrouds and obscures Hashem will be completely torn away. Until we will see with our fleshy eyes that Teva is godliness. It will be like, like dew. That, that's not a reciprocal response to an overture from below. Dew comes constantly. The Abishta gives dew. We won't hope in man. We won't await our salvation from man. It's going to be only Hashem will sustain you. Zion. Now we're in a position to understand not only how the Haftarah is connected thematically to the whole Parsha, which takes place right before they're going into Eretz Yisrael, and the Haftarah is about the time right before Mashiach becomes manifest, but also we'll understand how it has to do with the last point in the Parsha, which is something we know the Haftarah has to be connected to. What's, what happens in the last part of the Parsha? We learn about the sin of the Baal Pa'or. And we learn about the self-sacrifice of Pinchas that redressed the Chet, that fixed the Chet. Like it says, he atoned for B'nai Yisrael. Mevor b'chassidus, chassidus explains, that the spiritual source of this 
particular avodizara, of this particular action, the antecedent, the spiritual antecedents, shepoyerin umaytsiin rei bezuhi avodasai, that the way to serve this deity is to defecate before the deity. What's the spiritual source of this? Hu nesinas chashivas l'ta'anugim gashmiim. This mirrors the fact that people give importance to physical pleasure. The whole concept of physical pleasure is kind of the garbage, the, the leftover remnant of the idea of celestial pleasure. So obviously defecating in, for a deity is, is a very low, low form of behavior. And the Rebbe says, where does, like, what's the spiritual source? Come from world The spiritual source for this is when people start mixing up what's important in life and they place tremendous importance on corporeal pleasure. Instead of realizing that this is just really the garbage, the remains of something very lofty. When is it possible for a person to lurch into this type of behavior where they place such prominence on physical pleasure? This all flows from the fact that in general, the natural things take up a lot of space. They're very important. This causes him to become mired in physicality. We could bring for many hours about this because it's, it's a very important point and it's something that to one degree or another, we all suffer from because Baruch Hashem, we're not concerned like generations before us with just living through the day. And in the aggregate, we have so much more and things are so much easier. And it becomes so much more natural to place importance on the details of our physical existence. And the Rebbe says, but when you start to do that, then the next step is you become mired in it and, and that becomes your focus. And you forget that really this is the garbage from what should really be your focus, which is the Tainug Milmaila. <laughs> so, like I said, we, you know, this is something we could bring about for a very long time. Like, like, where's the line? Where do you draw the line? You know, what, what's, what's acceptable and what's already not okay for, for a chassid, for a chassida, for darshvi. Rifki. Yes. Can I just make a quick comment? Absolutely. Years ago, <laughs> years ago, someone said to me, don't get so excited over all this stuff. It's just the waste of the malachim. Yeah. 
that's it. So many times I think about that. It's just the bathroom of the malachim, what ends up here. So um, anyway, it, it, it left quite an impression. But I think it was easier years ago to not get excited about, you know what I'm saying? Like, because there wasn't much. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, just like you said. But today, a nine demeverson. Yeah. Yeah. And then it becomes like a dover ain't soft. It's like you have this, so you need that. And then you have that, and then you need this. And yeah, I don't need to belabor this point. I think we, we, we all know this very well. Okay. And through this, we can also understand something that, uh, that the Sifri tells us, the Gemara tells us, Benegir to this story of Pinchas's kapara for Baal Pa'or. The Gemara says, Ad It's a remarkable thing that Pinchas never stopped asking for a kapara for Bnei Yisrael. And he will never stop until Trias Hamesim. He had to harabak a parashal Because we will only be cleansed of this sin and only be atoned for this sin when Mashiach comes. This will only happen when nature will be so refined and it will be so clear that nature is one with God. And therefore it will not even be possible to make Gashmes Iker. And that's, that's why the kapara comes through the mysterious nefesh of Pinchas. Remember earlier the Rebbe said that through logic, this can never happen. It has to happen only through mysterious nefesh. Mysterious nefesh zu. This particular love of mysterious nefesh that Pinchas manifested, even the Torah says we would never mandate to do what Pinchas did. But Pinchas did not back down, even from the fact that Alpitera, I'm so sorry. Even Alpitera, it wasn't the halacha that that's what Pinchas had to do. And yet, he did what had to be done with Messias Nefesh. Rachi, I saw you wrote something. I just want to finish this paragraph, and then we'll go to that. Zuhi Mesiras Nefesh Shalemayla Afilu Mitam Vedas Dekadusha. This is a Mesiras Nefesh that's higher, not only higher than logic, but higher than logic of Kedusha. Ukaamur Leil, and as we said above, Davkalai De Bitzel Shalemayla Mitam Vedas Afilu Dekadusha. It's Davka through abnegating logic, even holy logic. Efshar Lehi Shomer Kedibayi. It is only through this way that we can properly shield ourselves to not separate nature and godliness. Even though the Torah tells us that we should get involved in this. And only then will Hashem bless us. But by transcending logic and operating on that level, we will 
we will guard against this dichotomy of Teva and Elokos. Now, let me open the chat so I could see, because I just saw the comment flash, but let me see the comment. Yeah, Rachi wrote, we are so disgusting, can't even fathom how they were involved in such behavior, defecating. Yet the Rebbe is saying that our obsession with the physical now is really the same thing. Interesting, I would add sobering, humbling. And now we understand very well the connection between what we spoke of above and going into Eretz Yisrael. Because all of the events in Parshas Balak happened immediately before they're entering Eretz Yisrael. In the Midbar, they were on a different level. They operated in a different reality. The man came down. It was such a wondrous existence that there was no place at all for somebody to err, to make the mistake that human involvement and overture can actually make a difference. Like the Torah tells us, the one who took more didn't end up with more. The one who took less didn't have less. And not only that, but more. No matter how much you collected, the man was only for that day. It forced, the system forced complete reliance and faith in Hashem. Every single day, again and again, there was nothing in your pantry. Masha Enkin, in contradistinction, after they went into Eretz but when it started a different type of Avoida in a settled land, meaning that you're going to sit on the land, you're going to get enmeshed. So we have to be warned about the sin of Baal Pa'or, of getting overly invested in the physical. Even though now we are going into Eretz Yisrael and we're going to start, we're going to have to seed and we're going to have to harvest and we're going to have to be living Al Piteva. Even in that natural um environment and reality, there still has to be this Indian of not placing your hope in man. They have to know that nature is not an independent contractor. And they have to have exactly the same level of faith as they had in Hashem in the Midbar when they literally had nothing and they waited for the month to come down. Tess. This is also a lesson for us in these last moments of Golos. In this time when we prepare to go into Eretz Yisrael with Mashiach Tzedkenu. Even though we are presently still 
mired in a doubled and redoubled darkness shall zman hagolus. And the Rebbe underscores, hefach is halta digeula. This is the opposite of the beginning of the geula. Now look at footnote 53. So in this footnote, what does it mean doubled and redoubled? Those that call darkness light, those that call this aspect of golos, geula, this is a choshech on top of the choshech. This is a double obfuscation of the Ebeshter. Like it's like the like, like the Baal Shem Tov taught ala posseg v'anoichi haster aster pone b'yay mahu. Baal Shem Tov taught why haster aster? Ki ha hester atzmai hu behester. Because the way in which the Abishter is hiding himself, that too is hidden from us. In other words, we don't realize that the Abishter is hiding, and that is the biggest problem altogether. So going back, Ukafisha in, in, in on top, Ukafisha Rain Bemukhash, like we see uh, practically, Bacholzois, Ma'achashikolinyan Blasid Lobby Twin Bema Senu Babachenu Kolzman Meshachagolos. So even though we're found in this darkness, this double darkness, but still in all, we see that everything that will happen in the end of times is dependent on our avoida in Golos. And specifically and especially in this generation, when we are making the last preparations for the Geula, like the Fritika said, the Mashiach is standing right on the other side of the wall. The walls of Gullus are burning down, they're disappearing, they're breached. So we have to have at this point something of the level that the that the Navi Micha speaks about in this week's Haftarah that we don't put our hope in man. Each one of us has to have a me'ain, something, a glimmer of this. We should not be placing importance on the natural means. We should be placing our trust only in Hashem. And through this, through this each one of us will be redeemed from our worries and from that which um, seeks to confuse us. Because we will be operating on this highest level where we get engaged with this world only to fulfill Hashem's will. And then we don't get bogged down. We don't get busy with it. It doesn't confuse us. Because the only thing we're concerned with is fulfilling what Hashem wants us to do. So Hashem says, go to a doctor. Good, go to a doctor. 
but we're not going to spend all this time second guessing and comparing it and contrasting it and worrying it and so on and so forth. And this personal redemption each for each one of us is also a preparation and a vessel for bringing down the general until we come to the day to the time that is considered one eternal Shabbos, a time of rest forever and ever. It's a tall order. It's a tall I have two order. Rivka, okay. I have two questions. What, could you explain a little bit more the concept of the garbage that's coming down from on high, that our pleasures? Um, I, I could try, but honestly, I don't know enough about this. So, okay. okay. Um, from the little bit that I understand, it's that this is the runoff, okay? This is not, the, the fact that there is pleasure in this world, like everything else, is a reflection of something higher, okay? But in this case, the pleasure that comes from enmeshing ourselves in the physical, we have to remember is just the garbage of celestial pleasure. So what does this mean? It doesn't mean we won't ever engage, but, but I think it tempers our enthusiasm. It can serve to temper our enthusiasm when we understand what it is. And, and, and definitely to help us not make it an ikr, but rather a tuffle. It's, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the Torah doesn't say you can't have pleasure. We have the whole idea of Einik Shabbos, Einik Yamtev, you know, there's, there's a mitzvah of Aina in sexual relations. And so there's obviously there's a place for pleasure, but when we put it in a larger context, it can help us give it its proper place rather than take over. But if anybody else can help us here, I, I definitely don't have, uh, you know. Can I add something? Yeah. Please, please. In our world, right, what is used for the growth of plants is manure. It's the waste of animals. The waste of animals actually produces the food we eat. So the world of Atsilos, whatever was left over, what the world of Atsilos didn't absorb, becomes the waste of the world of Atsilos. And it becomes the growth, the life force of the world of Bria. Whatever the Malachim and the world can't, it's too grub, it's too um, coarse. coarse, and it cannot be absorbed and is not, not cannot, in the world of Atsilos, becomes the waste. Literally, I mean, not like we go to the bathroom or manure, but in the spiritual sense is considered the waste of the world of Bria and creates the world of Yitzira. The world of Yitzira creates the Malachim, whatever is not absorbed in the holiness and the Malachim of the world of Yitzira becomes the waste and creates, it's as if like a manure and creates the next world. Just like in our world, right? So yeah. the Malachim of the, the spiritual world of Asiya whatever is not absorbed becomes that of this world. So Except that 
Yes. It's the waste of the malachim. It is literally the bathroom, the waste <laughs> of the malachim. So instead of getting so excited about it, put it in perspective. On the other hand, it is absolutely what's needed, right? For it to, because what the Avishter wants is that the spirituality should come down to the lowest point. Even waste should be used for holy. Then it's not waste anymore. Except, except that you say about you say about grubkeit and natsilos. I, I I can't I can't wrap my mind around that. There is none. Like, what does that mean? Right. What right? That becomes absorbed in natsilos. Like, I, I'm trying that? to understand it. I, I I think it's a process. Maybe maybe a little more research. Um, but I don't. What does that mean that the malachim couldn't absorb? If anything, the malachim couldn't absorb all the kedusha. I can't imagine that the malachim could. What couldn't they absorb? What what? Wait 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 wait. The Abishta created a world, right? Seif masiv machshavat chila. He right. wanted a world of physicality, but you can't have physicality in the world of atzilus. Right. Brio, your tira, it has a state of It evolves. I mean, it just goes from one into the Same next. Thing. Right. So part of the picture is that there should be whatever needs to be absorbed in Atsilos gets absorbed and then it goes on to the next. I mean, it's with your own children or whatever you how you feed kids, how you you give each child what they need. Right. Or you give how you work. There's always a format of this gets more, this gets less, and you take what's left over, right? Even right. compost, you take the peel right. and you right. and now you create something new, but you don't eat it, right? You use it for compost. So it, it's, it's, but you need the fruit in order to peel it in order to be able to use. Okay. You see, it, so that's, that's wonderful. Thank yeah, you. That's a good muscle. That was really great. Esther. Thank yeah, you so thank you. Thank you. Well, I just I appreciate- had a question. Okay. How did they come to make this mistake in the midfloor? In other words, if the Rebbe is saying that the spiritual antecedents of the Chet of Baal is enmeshing oneself in pleasure, where did, how did this come to the Dorha Midbar? They were so exalted. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic question. I, I, I want to attempt an answer, but it's just an attempt. Um, maybe it was their spiritual pleasure that was the antecedent for the sin. And a spiritual pleasure is the reason they did not want to leave the midbar. That's how the Rebbe explains the whole chait. They didn't want to leave because it was pushed so good. But maybe on their level, this was a pleasure that was that was misplaced. And I had the and... Um... Your answer is good. So it's good. Thank you, Rifki. The I don't understand why the Rebbe wouldn't even okay. mention yeah, the way we were talking. We were talking about physical pleasures, and see that the question: What's the lesson for us? If the people in the midbar that Gashmis had, it was so clear, it was from the Eibushter, like when Mashiach comes. So what's expected of us? And the next paragraph that ever says, we're not even the Gula. So it's a question on, on, on the Sikha, which obviously there's an answer, it's just it's confusing. Wait, what, what are you saying? You're saying that you think it's, a, it's an untenable level to demand of us? No, what I'm trying to say is that Hani's question, although, first of all, you answered it. Okay? I don't know if I answered but, it. I'm thinking maybe. Uh, but, 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 
So I'm saying, why would the Rebbe even create a space for such a question? It's like, for me, it's like a very basic question. It's like a question. And the Rebbe, like, you know what I'm saying? Because according to what the Rebbe is saying the whole time, he's showing how there's Zmana Gula and us and and then in, in Golos, how we have such a hard time with Gashmias. But then you have the people in the Midbar that it was so clear that Gashmias was from the Abishter, and even they sinned. And but that doesn't what I'm the out is that on their level, it was a sin. But what they got enmeshed in is not like us, the physical pleasure. They got enmeshed in the spiritual pleasure. And that gave rise in some dacustic way, in a very subtle way, to the sin of the Balpar. Maybe, but there are, actually, that, that I have to I have to ask somebody who knows. <laughs> but but, but Rafi, Rafi, we live through this ourselves. Our, our, we come from we're the survivors, so to speak. Our gener, you know, our parents lived through unbelievable Maser Snefesh, where the Gashmias did not take place in their life, right? And the Rebbe said, "What happened when we came to America, and suddenly there was such a focus on the Gashmias?" That we, we saw this ourselves in our own, I mean, we didn't live through Europe, but we, our parents, the generation of our parents, the Rebbe used to say that all the time. What happened? There was such Messiah Snefesh and the Gashmias didn't take up any room. Yiddishkeit was, right, was paramount. I mean, it was all about Yiddishkeit. They gave their life physically. And yet we come to America and suddenly the Hollywood kitchen, remember that? The wall-to-wall -wall carpet, wall -to -wall the Hollywood carpet. kitchen, remember that? The representation yeah, yeah, yeah. now became the focus. How did such a thing happen? But it must be, it must be that Gashmias is very enticing. That's the world they wish to meet. It must be. It, if Darha Midbar shows us this, then, then it's remarkable how far we've come. It's remarkable. And when we look at the kids and the younger ones and we get so, look at us as teenagers. Are we in the same place as we are today? The Gashmias, the Taifa, the, it, it takes up a lot of room. The eye see, the heart wants, the ears hear. I mean, it takes up a tremendous, so much so that even the man, the taste of the man is, oy vey, look, no waste all this time. They're yearning to go to the bathroom. Who would think of such a thing? Okay, but it must be, as they you know, this is it. And so thank God with all our mistakes, we've done fabulous. It's remarkable. If that is true, that Darha Midbar is taken in by the Gashmis when they have mon and water from, and Ananeha Covenant. Yeah, this is remarkable. Our kids are remarkable. I'm just not convinced that the Darha Midbar was taken in by the Gashmis. Why not? Well, they made other, they, they wanted to meet. They wanted meat. They wanted water after the yes, yes, yes. But but the correlation. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I know Rifki. Maybe not on the same level as us. Maybe Taket was much finer. But the miracle sure space was much finer. The question is if it was if this if what gave rise to the sin of the Balfour. Honey, honey asked a very profound question. Right. How do you make this mistake when you're in the midbar? So what was their overarching what mistake? What lesson to us? If they, mistake mistake. Is they didn't want to leave the midbar because it allowed them unfettered access to spirituality and it didn't have to involve. So maybe 
Hasidus explains that that was a mistaken notion, right? Maybe it's the pleasure of that mistaken notion that gives rise. I don't know. Was it also a fear of what they would have to face? Because yeah, they were overwhelmed by the sure, But we're trying to connect the dots with the pleasure. Because the Rebbe says a Baal Pa'ar, the sin of Baal Pa'ar comes from enmeshing yourself into physical pleasure. So that was your question. So in which way did they enmesh themselves in pleasure that gave rise to the sin then? We could understand in our life today. They were still people. They still had a Yitzhahara, even in the Midbar. Yeah, but the question was, what was the Yitzhahara for? Yeah, but they right. yeah. also why was it the Rebbe is trying to teach us something? So, by bringing the midbar as an example for us, and not even I did, I, maybe I didn't look into the sikhad well enough, but the Rebbe didn't address what Hani Shantos asked, and it's a question. I, I it's it's that's why every sikha is not meant to be studied on its own. When you learn, well, that's what this project is all about. Learning all of the Rebbe's Torah, it's a composite. And one thing informs the other, it makes clear another. So, Tzarek Ion, I will go do my homework. Everybody else will go do homework. And next week, we'll come back with, with what to share on this. Can I raise another issue that was in the Sikha, or is it too late? <laughs> go ahead. The whole Indian about making a KV 